the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I don't always have the ability to say this, but I've got a good show for you today. The stories are there. The color is there. Let's get to this. Let's get it done. Get her, get her, get her done. All right, all right, all right. Um, NASDAQ up 1.7% yesterday. The SP 500 was up 1.2%. The Dow up 8 tenths of a percent. We're starting the year off with a market rally. The good vibes of 2023 in the first 10 days, five days of trading in January kind of tell us maybe we'll have good vibes all year. Historically, that's been the case more often than not. Eh, would I put my milk money or my lunch money or my grocery money on that bet? No. Because I also know that retail investors sometimes look try to get a little bit ahead of the information. Stocks kept the good 2023 vibes going. I think we could probably play some Beach Boy vibe music right now. It's like it's 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 feeling good, right? Unless you're Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, they're considering bankruptcy, which is interesting because and the stock is going crazy up, right? That one doesn't make sense. I don't get that one. It's when you're basically telling your family, yes, I've got a bad disease. I'm going to lose a lot of weight and my hair is going to fall out. Oh, time to invest in Rob. <laughs> Did you hear me about my hair fall out? <laughs> so Bed Bath & Beyond is considering bankruptcy. Dismal quarter. I mean, it was a dismal quarter. It's probably the worst quarter. You know what's fascinating about Bed Bath & Beyond? In the 1990s, it could do no wrong. All it did was go higher. It was not a tech stock, but it felt like a tech stock. We're like, I wish I owned that 10 years ago. And now 10 years later, 15 years later, you're like, I'm glad I don't own that piece of junk. I almost said a dirty word. (laughs) I'm amazed at 20 plus years that I haven't been fired yet. Now, I've been suspended, but I've not been fired. There's a big, big, big difference. Um, Let's keep talking, though, shall we? The FAA created air travel chaos yesterday. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but there was a software glitch. Harder than the glitches that you see in video games with NPC characters walking into walls, the agency had to ground all flights in the morning over a problem it believes was caused by a damaged database file. Renewing concerns that U.S. travel infrastructure desperately needs an update. It's interesting because transportation was one of the very first in the 1990s to use, to say, let's go all in. Let's get new technology. The airline industry. And now it seems like the airline industry is way behind where you go into the systems. And you're like, you're still using DOS computers. Is that a, is it? Yes. And you're like, that's not good. That's not good. Um, what else do we have to go with? It's time of year where growth and change are words on everyone's mind. Whether you're dealing with hair loss or thinning of dreaming of a mane that looks like you've added extensions. I don't get hair extensions. I guess I get them 
cosmetically, but I don't get them going out maybe on TV, but not, I don't, there's something that doesn't sit with me, right? There's a new hair system called Proceline. It helps combat hair loss and shedding. It's designed to reawaken dormant follicles, leading to 97% success rate in just six weeks. Eh, not for me. Um, I'm okay aging. It's kind of funny because uh, I said that to a, an old love when she recently contacted me. She goes, how are you doing these days? How are the kids? And I'm like, we've stayed friendly. And I said, I'm just a lot grayer. So it's like I have the hair. It's just gray and... No, I don't really want that, but I also don't really want to show it off either. None of you're picking up what I'm putting down. Sucks getting older. So has the Fed seen what it wants? We have no fear of the Fed Reserve on Wall Street right now. Coming in today, the SP 500 is up 3.7% year to date. The 10-year Treasury is down 33 basis points. Telling you, the market's trying to say, nope, the Fed's uh, on the wrong side of it now. The U.S. dollar index down one half percent in 2023. So the dollar's given us a little bit of a break. That's kind of nice. There's a 77% probability of a 25 basis point hike at the next Fed meeting versus a 62% expectation a week ago or a 35% a month ago. So we're expecting the Fed to raise interest rates. What we have fear. What we have to fear is fear itself. Someone once said that, right? Sounds like a Winston Churchill. But I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to hit the Jeopardy button on that one. Consumer price index was pretty much on mark with market hopeful expectations. Total CPI declined one-tenth of a percent month over month. So if it keeps going that direction, that's lovely. There's a 9.4% decline in gasoline prices that one's got me a little flummoxed like like that can't be our highlight it's not like a baseball game where the shortstop who's never hit a home run hits a home run you're like sweet we're getting home runs from him every game now i don't trust the gasoline index like yes i I did say this to my son yesterday driving i'm like look gasoline's under four dollars on our street it's a strip in front of the turn in front of the house kind of thing when I said street, I meant that, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to you, I'm sure. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy, increased three tenths of percent month over month. On a year over year basis, CPI was up six and a half percent. That's the smallest increase since October of 2021 versus a 7.1% in November. Okay, so let's talk about this. So we get the December numbers, the December numbers. We go from 7.1% down to 6.5. The 6.5% print rating goes back to October of 2021 when the Federal Reserve was like, yes, this inflation's here, but it's transitory. It turns out it wasn't transitory. We figured that out three or four months later. The services inflation, which the Fed is keeping a close watch on, did not improve. On a year-over-year basis, service inflation was up 7.5% versus 7.2%, excluding rent of shelter. Service inflation increased 7.4%. Excluding medical care services, service inflation was up 8% year over year. In brief, the market will have to continue to fear the Fed because the Fed didn't see the services come down. The Fed won't like the sticky services number. I love that. We, I love that America learned what sticky inflation is versus transitory. 
it's one of those things that, yeah, we did kind of learn that, didn't we? So the Fed's going to keep raising interest rates. And that's why I think the market's a little bit lower today. Not a lot, because on one hand, they got an inflation number that they can deal with. October 2021 levels, which again, we're in December 2022 in, in this conversation. Um, I know it's January 2023. Don't, don't try to correct me, fool. I pity the fool tries to correct me, Mr. T. Mr. T's favorite investment, gold. I don't get that one, Mr. T. I'm going to have to fight you over that one. But initial jobless claims also came in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. On the one hand, we get the inflation data that we want to see come down. On the other hand, it's still sticky on the services side. So the Fed's going to raise interest rates. Demon known. We know that now. We're good with that. Market may not like it, but we're going to deal with that. That'll take us another 30 days down the road. The initial jobless claims came in at 205,000. Continuing jobless claims hit 63,000 or decreased 63,000 to 1.6 million. That's a lot of people. 30. Key takeaway is that jobs are still at very low levels of initial claims and that it's a tight labor market. Firms aren't firing people fast enough to kill inflation for the Fed. So the jobs aren't really playing along, but that helps the economy. Some inflation's coming down, but not the services side. Ugh, it's a lot to digest. It was a good number, not a great number. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the shoe. Yesterday, we learned that global PC shipments fell off a cliff at the end of 2022. 28% decline. That's humongous. And now it starts to make sense on why, like now you're starting to see the data of why companies like Intel and Microsoft and NVIDIA, AMD, companies that make parts for PCs, are their stocks are down. And we're starting to see the, the, the reality of it. Stocks move before the reality. I look at Wall Street as a six-month discounting mechanism. So in the case of PC components... Having a bad last six months, take a look at NVIDIA, take a look at AMD, take a look at Intel, take a look at DRAM players, uh, disk drive companies. You, you get it. Everything that goes into a computer should be struggling because sales fell off a cliff down 30, 28% in 2022 compared with 2021 numbers. Now, 2021 was the year I bought two computers. Um, I was upgrading the home equipment in the mountains in 2020 during COVID. And then I was upgrading the home equipment in my home in 2021 when I ultimately started to move. So my kids are on Zoom. I'm on Zoom. Everyone's on Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Everyone's working on Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. <clears throat> Remember the horrible song in the 1990s? All I want to do is go Zoom, Zoom, Zoom and a boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah, Zoom probably shouldn't make up that song because their stock has kind of gone boom, boom, boom. And that's not what boom, boom, boom means in that song. So I like getting a computer every three to five years. That's my thing. Um, I don't know where you are on that, but uh, me and my kids play some video games together. So I have a thing that I don't let them play without a head. They can play with a microphone, but they have to keep the speaker volume on so I can hear what's going on. Um, I know I'm a horrible person. My kid is a nationally ranked Fortnite player. 
which is a weird thing to say out loud. Uh, my kid has won tournaments. My kid is on a team that came in fourth place nationally, like weird. And what's interesting about it is we're now applying for high schools and we could go the public route or we can go the private route and we're kind of exploring both. And the private route is says write essays. And one of the things, you know, high schools now have is they now have a computer video team, but they also have like um, coursework that's designed to teach you how to program video games. I love high schools like that. If I can send my kid to a science and tech high school versus a public high school or a public high school that focuses on science and tech, I would. As a father, in the end, I have to let him make the decision, right? Or at least feel like he's helping make the decision. Anyhow, um, PC shipments. I get a new computer every three to five years. I didn't get one this year. I'm probably not going to get one in the first half of this year, at least. PC shipments were comparable to those in 2018. Oof. When Intel was suffering from supply challenges and the industry was feeling the impact of the resulting component shortages. Researchers claim that the pandemic boom is over for the PC market, even though 292 million it sold last year, well above pre-pandemic levels. There's still some lingering positivity. Big problem for the PC industry in the last few months is that average selling prices have been falling aggressively. So if you take a look at Lenovo, HP, Dell, Apple, Asus, and then the others, you're seeing that the average selling price is falling aggressively. Lenovo has the highest market share in the world. HP second, Dell's third. Lenovo has 23% of the market. HP's got 19% of the market. Dell's got about 17% of the market. Apple sits back on the PC side of the fence at 9.8%. When I was doing this 20 years ago, Apple had about 3% of the PC market. Which would you rather have? As an investor, you'd rather see Apple at 3% growing to 10% versus HP at 19%. I know you're saying, but they've got so much more than Apple. But Apple has the ability to grow, whereas HP is probably already saturated. Driving forces that could see stronger PC Buying in the commercial segment include both the end support of Windows 10 and a build and refresh cycle. Um, because my kids are gamers, uh, we look at NVIDIA products, we look at AMD products. I have them tell me the difference in DDR5 and DDR4. Um, I want them to know some of this information on their own. It's a pretty cool moment when your kids can fix their own computers and your kids can fix the computer for your, their mother. Um I want them to be educated on skills and not necessarily on thoughts. The ability to fix a computer. Oh, you are loved by many people in your family and the ability to build a computer. You are loved by many people in your family. I built a computer with my cousin one Christmas and, you know, it took about a day and there's a little bit of frustration here and there, but it was the best Christmas gift he ever got. <clears throat> Um, speaking about great gifts, Girl Scouts, I know you're saying, be careful where you go. It's actually one of my favorite organizations and Girl Scout cookies. I used to be on the side of that seems weird making these young girls sell stuff. That's like <clears throat> someone's making a lot of money off these. This essentially slave labor would be a joke in your twenties, right? It's not exactly territory you can go to now, 20 years later. In an environment that's very cancel culture, but again, Girl Scouts, 
they pay to be the Girl Scouts and they're doing the labor selling this stuff. It's a fundraiser. You get the idea. What I love about the Girl Scout organization, first and foremost, Mackenzie Bezos, who's now Mackenzie Scott, she gave a lump sum of money in the, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars to the Girl Scouts. I'm like, why should you do that? And then I forgot, I gave a speech once in front of a large crowd and the president of the Girl Scouts spoke right before me. And it was fantastic. She said, these Girl Scouts, let me let me highlight three of them for you. This one girl, Stephanie, she um, went to local Home Depots and she got them to donate 100 um, LED lanterns so that we can send them to an African village, which we know it's and it's called this whatever African village in Ethiopia. Okay, just work with me on that. I don't know. The re- I don't remember that. And she goes, every year there's fires there because the kerosene lanterns tip over and people die. Kerosene's very expensive. LED lights will last 10,000 plus hours. Okay, so you get the idea. So she did that as her project. That's a, I never did anything like that as a teenage. One girl, um, <clears throat> a lot of African girls can't go to school if they're on their time a month, if they're experiencing period blood. Um, they're, they're not allowed to go. So she came up with reusable tampons, which it sounds disgusting. I don't know the details of it, but she came up with a washing system for them so that girls can go to school. I'm like, I never did that. I will make a donation to the Girl Scouts. I believe in that organization that much. And I think teaching young girls how to sell and how to code and put up websites that are local. If you ever look at the Girl Scouts, they got a Houston division. they got a San Diego division. They've got a Southern LA division. Like, they are well designed to teach young women life skills. You know what I'm saying about life skills? Whether it's civic conductors, building computers, selling cookies, setting up websites. I love the Girl Scouts and not just the cookies. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Thanks for putting up with me. Now I'm going to give back to you. Let's talk about biotech. Um, Biotech is an industry that I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in, in no way, shape or form. Hopefully you do not as well. The person about my last house is a scientist at Gilead Sciences, and he's probably the closest thing I know to a scientist at, at in biotech, you know? Um, I don't know what he knows. And I was, I was talking to him, I'm like, what you guys got working on there? Can I start smoking? Are you going to cure lung cancer? I never want it to smoke, but if you, if I know that a cure is coming, then maybe I'll want to. And even though I don't want it, he's like, don't be silly. But there's a guy that I follow, Brad Loncar. He's a man. He's not a guy. He's not a bro. He's CEO of Loncar Investments. He's very, very good at biotech investing. I am not very good at biotech investing. I would prefer to buy the Spider S&P Biotech ETF versus trying to predict who's going to come up with the Nobel Prize for hair loss. Anyhow, <clears throat> I think we've set the premise, right? Loncar shared his 2023 forecast, including new drugs, Nobel Prize winners, and more globalization are some of his thoughts. He thinks there's going to be some pain in the small biotech industry as they consolidate this year. But let's go over some of his top 10 predictions for 2023. We all like a top 10 list. He says large drug makers power ahead in 2023. But he's going to see a lot of delistings, he believes, in the smaller companies and bankruptcies for small biotech companies. They don't have the access to go to investors right now and say, hey, investors, 
uh, we're working on something really cool, but we're about a million dollars away from it. Can we borrow some money? They don't have that option right now because the venture capitalists are saying, you know what? We see a recession coming. But Lancar says that a lot of small body techs that went public in 2020 or 2021 when the IPO market was booming are now going through the cleanup period. They're cash-starved biotechs. The market will only get more difficult to raise money. He thinks they're going to start liquidating in assets. A big trend that you're going to see next year that we already started seeing this year is that you're going to see dozens of companies essentially go away. Okay. So he's saying the small biotech is probably not the way to go right now. His prediction number two was new weight loss drugs become more powerhouses, while new gene therapies and Alzheimer's drugs launch very, very slowly. This is what I've heard from other researchers. So let's go with this for a second. A range of high-profile medicines have either just launched or are preparing to launch. He thinks the sales are going to differ aggressively. There's a new weight loss drug, Nova Nordisk Wagovi, and Eli Lilly's Mongero. Mongero is approved for diabetes with a weight loss approval decision expected in 2023. In a late-stage clinical study, Lilly's Bonjoro helped people lose about 15 to 20% of their weight on average. It looks like this is going to be priced at about $12,000 a year. <clears throat> Insurance companies are still trying to figure out their side of it because if you lose weight, you tend not to get diabetes. If you lose weight, you tend to have less disease that will kill you and cost money down the road for the insurance companies. So more people are learning about these drugs, and 2023 is going to be a year of, of weight loss drugs. Now, he's also talking about Alzheimer's treatment, um, Lekadab. And he thinks the torrent of negative news about the previous similar treatments like Adelum will slow initial uptake of the drug sellers for Biogen and Asai. So he's saying the weight loss drugs are going to be blockbusters. He's saying the Alzheimer's drugs are not going to be. Not yet. Very, very slowly. And the way the Alzheimer's drug of 2021 and 2022 played out, he thinks doctors are going to be very, very hesitant. He also thinks new gene therapies to treat sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia. It's funny here. We talk about biotech terms. It's going to initially disappoint with their sales. I need a shot before I start talking uh, biotech, right? So he thinks gene therapies to treat sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia will initially disappoint with their sales, especially because they require patients to undergo a severe chemotherapy regimen prior to being treated with the one-time infusions. Interesting. We have to kill part of your body to heal part of your body. I, I don't pretend to know what happens in the world of biotech. I still have trouble explaining photosynthesis to my children. Biotech has a Solyndra moment. He says is prediction number three as the U.S. government ramps up spending on biosecurity and synthetic biology faster than the field matures. A little over a decade ago, a solar power startup called Solyndra filed for bankruptcy after taking on hundreds of millions of dollars of loans from the United States government for its work. He sees the same thing happening in this industry as biosecurity is something our government really, really wants to figure out. Um, and he thinks we're a little bit too soon in it. High-profile failures. So biosecurity, write it down, is dubious. Prediction number four, 2023 becomes the year of the Korea deal as biotech and globalization continues. I like this story. I like being 50 years old and hearing biotechs are going to be doing a lot of cool things in cancer. 
He has long been a proponent of globalization, yet political tensions remain high between the U.S. and China. He thinks everyone's going to start looking at South Korea to make a splash in biotech. South Korea's LG Chem acquired the Boston-based cancer biotech company called Avio Oncology. He thinks there's a deal a China drug maker likely could not have pulled off due to the political tensions between the two. So South Korea steps in, spends money in the United States, where China can't step in and spend money in the U.S. Korean companies see a window of opportunity, and he sees more companies like Amgen partnering with big players in Korea, like biotech firm Lego Chem Biosciences. Now, I've never been to South Korea. I'm glad he has been. His name's Brad Lonkar. Let's talk about more of his predictions for 2023. He says Roche's major lung cancer study surprises by succeeding, but the overall benefit is underwhelming. One of the most closely watched drug targets in cancer research is called TIGIT, T-I-G-I-T. It's a protein in our cells that typically stops immune cells from overreacting. In the case of cancer, the idea is that if you block TIGIT, it could boost our immune system to fight tumors. He thinks the idea is going to work. It's just not going to work as well as we want it to. Oh. So he sees a surprise upside. Earlier this year, when an experimental drug by Roche failed to shrink tumors in lung cancer patients, it's like it worked, but it didn't have the result. Number six on his predictions for 2023 in biotech, Brad Lonkar. A new type of cell therapy keeps disappointing and Gilead reaps the rewards. What does that mean? The idea of an allogeneic an allogeneic cell therapy, which are treatments made up of engineered cells that come from donors, has been an enticing idea for years. These therapies are delivered off the shelf, meaning the cells are taken from a donor rather than extracted from a specific patient. It means that a universal treatment from one donor could be made for many patients, decreasing time and costs. But the clinical results have not panned out yet. This has been a disappointment for sure in oncology and maybe biotech more broadly. Despite investment in allogenic cell therapy from dozens of biotechs, he doesn't see a breakthrough on the horizon. A real winner will be the drug makers like Gilead Sciences that have spent billions to be the first one to personalize cell therapies to market, which depend on taking a patient's own immune cells rather than using a donor. So I just heard Gilead Sciences there in cancer. When I'm 70 years old and I'm doctor comes in and says, Rob, you've got cancer. And I was like, is that the good news or the bad news? What's which one's next? It's treatable. But we're going to have to take some of your own cells. I'm like, take them. And I'm going to spend a lot more money on cancer treatments when I'm 70 than I am on video games. Number seven on his list. And so, again, the name there is Gilead Sciences. This is just you you can now say, I'm going to go research Gilead Sciences. I'm going to look at the finances. I'm going to look at the scientists. I'm going to do you're going to get the annual reports. You're going to get the quarterly reports. You're going to get the S filings. You're going to start doing your research on it because you're like, I like the sound of that. It's not a reason to buy. It's a reason to research. So we're broker for taking action. I ever mentioned on the show. MRNA scientist, which who knew what MRNA was before COVID hit the world? The public sentiment around mRNA vaccines has been hugely disappointing. As the pandemic has dragged on and conspiracy theories remain persistent about the effectiveness and the safety of the shots, he predicts a Nobel Prize award could help set the record straight. The prospects of mRNA for medicine, including in protecting against other infectious diseases, treating cancer, are huge, with trials starting to show mRNA success in diseases beyond coronavirus. He thinks that 2023 will be the year for the Nobel Prize. 
He declined to wager a guess on which scientist is going to be recognized, but he thinks mRNA is going to win a Nobel Prize in 2023. I'm not super excited COVID-19 happened, but I am pleased that we threw a lot of money into science. In the long run, I think that's a good investment for society. Number eight on his predictions, the industry runs into the next super hot cancer target called Claudine 18.2. It's protein found in the intestines. It'll be the next super hot focus for new cancer drugs. A group of scientists at Japan's Hiroshima University started researching this protein in the mid 2000s. It seems to be a good target. Late stage trial success for Estellus Pharma in treating types of stomach cancer with its Claudine 18.2 targeted drug. Loncarb said he expects more drug companies to crowd in the Clodine 18.2 space, comparing it to how dozens of companies are developing drugs to target immune cell proteins called BCMA for cancers a couple years back. Number nine on his list, neuroscience is another mega year. Uh, Loncarb expects 2023 to bring more progress in fighting brain diseases, an ALS drug. He sees a Boston-based Corona Therapeutics submitting its schizophrenia drug for FDA approval in mid-2023. That's a perfect convergence of great science coming to fruition. And that's all I got. I'm not going to do number 10 because it's really not that important. It's about a CEO running for president of his country. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I got a big event coming up in February. In Cupertino, sign up at robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Let's try to wrap this up in a nice big bow. Big bow business is not a big bow business right now. People buying new cars are down on a year-over-year basis. There's millions of big bows waiting for a car to be sold at Christmas and delivered in a TV commercial. Have you ever had a big bow on a car? Have you ever seen a real big bow on a car? It's actually a thing. I would not have predicted that either. Today, we see the stock market digesting the December Consumer Price Index, the CPI, which showed that services inflations did not improve. But the level of inflation is down to October 2021 levels, which is an improvement. It's still high. It still begs the Fed to continue raising interest rates. The conventional wisdom right now is the Fed's going to raise interest rates in the first half of the year, maybe the first third of the year. Then they're going to pause. And then by the end of the year, they're going to see the recession numbers hit. We're seeing credit card delinquencies rise. We're seeing credit card balances rise. We're seeing higher mortgage costs, so we're not seeing a lot of um, good things on refinances there to help people make ends meet. Although we did see refinances up for the first time in a long time recently. But we're digesting the consumer price index numbers. Um, like I said, it's it's the thought is that 2022, all we talked about was inflation on this show. The thought is we're going to stop talking about inflation sometime halfway through the year. And we're going to be talking about recession. And then we're going to be talking about when do we get out of the recession? And if we don't go into recession, Wall Street's going to be happy. And if we do go into recession, Wall Street's starting to price it in by the performance that we've seen in the stock market in the last 12 months. There's some directional leadership today from the mega cap stocks. There's worries about the Fed's rate hike path on the heels of CPI. 
many people are starting to say, yeah, the Fed's going to keep raising rates. Dang. I once said something on air and I was doing an impression of like a farmer and I got called in the manager's office the next day and the manager was like, did you know you said, I'm like, no, I didn't. And he played the tape for me and it was me saying, taking the Lord's name in vain. I said, that wasn't me. That was an impression of a farmer. I went, no, you can't pin that on me. And it was pinned on me, so I got suspended. <clears throat> I know you're saying you're, you can't take the Lord's name in vain on radio. Nope. Um, but that's okay. Um, I don't mind playing by the rules, and I don't mind saying that I shouldn't have said it. So sometimes when you're wrong, guess what? You're wrong. Um, let's take a look at how the markets react to the CPI number today. I think this is important. I don't think it's end-all, be-all important. Um, Because I think sometimes on a day-by-day basis, the market is a little bit silly. But I think over the long term, it it is a good pricing mechanism. Today, we saw stocks go lower on the initial CPI number. And then we've seen stocks start buying back, getting into the green. And again, it's a strong start to the year. Um, Illicit crypto flows hit an all-time high in 2022. This is one of the big problems with crypto. I'm still not in it. I'll let you know when I change that. Illicit crypto wallets received $20.1 billion in crypto assets last year. That amount still accounts for less than 1% of total crypto activity. Last year's surge is due mostly to the rise of sanctioned crypto addressed. Sanctioned crypto addressed. The rise of sanctioned crypto addressed. As a share of total crypto activity, criminal flows made up one quarter of 1% of all crypto transactions in 2022. Um, it's an issue and it needs to be regulated. And that doesn't, that doesn't jive well with crypto enthusiasts elsewhere in the world of stupid financial things. We buy the iconic Kobe Bryant Jersey is up for auction. It it is expected to reach $7 million. Sotheby's is selling a rare Kobe Bryant Jersey worn during his 2007, 2008 MVP season. The Jersey expected to be the most valuable piece of Bryant memorabilia ever sold at auction. Sotheby's expects the jersey to sell for between five and seven million dollars. Um, I don't get it. I get the rarity. I get the culture value, but I don't get spending seven million dollars for a basketball jersey. One of the more embarrassing things for me is seeing grown adults wearing football jerseys and basketball jerseys. I know you're saying that's harsh. That's harsh. I I just think we kind of live childhood fantasies that were something we're not. The now famous image of Bryant was taken April 23, 2008, where he's pulling his jersey out, the Lakers 24. That's the inspiration for the jersey. It's an iconic moment. Sotheby's is capitalizing on that. Bryant wore the jersey in 25 games over an eight-month period. He averaged 25.8 games, uh, 25.8 points per game. Back in September, Sotheby's made headlines when they sold Michael Jordan's 1998 Last Dance jersey for $10.1 million. That was a record-breaking auction. But before that, a Jordan jersey from his professional career had yet to surpass $1 million. So we're buying used shoes and used jerseys for millions of dollars while children go home hungry. Or I guess they go to sleep hungry. Yeah. Never let the facts get away of a good story.
800-516-1220 to each call. So the markets are doing well today. They're digesting the CPI number. They're thinking the Fed is going to be wrong by raising interest rates, trying to get ahead of things. That's sometimes a problem. Tesla's still lower, going against the grain today with a sizable loss after an expansion of its Shanghai factory was delayed. Yesterday, we learned that an expansion of its Austin factory was approved. Shanghai is a big market for Tesla. So mega stocks are doing well today. Tesla is the notable underperformer. Strength today is seen in energy, financials, communication services, information technology, weaknesses in healthcare, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, and utilities. Got a big event coming up on retirement income and taxes in retirement. One of the big things I fear in retirement is how much income am I going to bring in when I stop working? 30. Is it going to be enough? Will I wish that I worked a couple more years? Will I wish that I retired a couple earlier years earlier? CFP Chad Burton is going to be joining me in Cupertino for the big event at the Juniper Hotel in early February. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. More on that in the coming days and weeks, but it's February 9th, 630 at the Juniper Hotel in Cupertino. Sign up today. If you haven't been, I'd love to see if you've been more than twice. Please don't sign up. Thanks for the show. Have a good day. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.